Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites Basics, the paediatric podcast aimed at healthcare students or anyone in need of a refresher of common paediatric conditions. I'm Asim, one of the founders of Dragon Bites and a paediatric trainee here in Wales. Our Dragon Bites Basics episodes are hosted by local medical students who discuss topics with trainee paediatricians from Wales. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone this is an introductory podcast and not meant to replace your regular revision. Bear in mind that practice will change depending on your locality and as new evidence comes to light. This week we're going to be discussing Fragile X Syndrome. One of our former medical students from Cardiff University and now fully qualified doctor, Dr Georgia Parry, discussed this topic with a clinical genetics registrar, Dr Emily Sloper. Anyway, let's get started. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dragon Bites Basics podcast with me, Georgia Parry, a medical student at Cardiff University. And it's my pleasure to introduce Dr Emily Sloper, a clinical genetics registrar based in Cardiff. So hello, Dr Sloper, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. So this podcast is going to be on Fragile X syndrome, which is a genetic condition we should know about and often crops up in our exams. So if we start at the beginning, can I ask you what Fragile X syndrome is? Yeah, so it's a, as you've mentioned, a genetic condition, um, which is caused by um, a specific type of change in the FMR1 gene. Um, it's actually one of the most common genetic causes of learning difficulties and affects about one in 5,000 uh, boys in the general population. Okay, um, and you mentioned how common it is. Is there a particular kind of inheritance pattern for this condition? Yeah, so it's an X-linked condition, um, but it is a bit complex in that it can have an effect on female carriers of the, the genetic change as well. Okay, and so how does it affect males? So typical features of the condition would include um, in the sort of early years, you might get muscle hypotonia and then developmental delay. Um, This can typically include speech and motor development. Um, Often children will have what we call echolalia um, with repetitive uh, vocalisations and they may have behavioural difficulties, including autism. Uh, Some have ADHD as well. They may also have other features that affect other areas of the body, like a squint, gastroesophageal reflux, joint laxity, um, and then they often have characteristic facial features as well. Um, and these can often become more obvious as they get older. Okay, um, would you be able to talk through some of the characteristic facial features you just mentioned? These can typically include um, features like having quite a long face, with large ears and a prominent forehead. They can also have quite a prominent jaw as well. Um, another non-characteristic facial feature, uh, sorry, characteristic non-facial feature can include macroorchidism as well, um, which typically develops after puberty, but can be noticed prior to puberty in boys too. Okay, thank you. Um, and you mentioned that um, some of these things begin early on in childhood. Can I ask how and, and when Fragile X syndrome is usually diagnosed and can it be detected prenatally or is it usually a a clinical, um, noticed clinically first? So it's typically diagnosed after birth and usually 
in the first few years of life, but it can be diagnosed much later, either in teenage years or even in adulthood, um, depending on the availability of genetic testing and the um, depth of paediatric assessment for that child. Um, It's not usually diagnosed antenatally um, unless there's a particular family history which uh, warrants further investigation potentially during a pregnancy. Um, But typically it doesn't present with clinical features during a pregnancy that would be detected on a scan or anything like that. Okay, thank you. Um, And you mentioned that... um... Female, that females carry this condition, can they be affected in, a, in any way? Yeah, so they can be in a variety of different ways. In order to understand that a bit, a bit of sort of basic genetic knowledge is usually required. So the fMR gene is on the X chromosome, um, and this particular gene contains what we call a triplet repeat of three bases, the letters CGG. Um, And these can expand in size, so you get what we call a triplet repeat, where you get repetitive sequences of those three letters um, in order to cause fragile X syndrome. Now, a full mutation of that gene involves more than 200 repeats of those CGG letters, the bases, um, and that results in no production of the protein. Now, for boys who obviously only have one X because they're XY carrier type, Um, that means they don't have any production of the fMR protein and causes a sort of full manifestation of symptoms in them. For women, girls, um, they have a second X, uh, which often compensates for the altered X, making them a carrier. Um, But they can still have a reduction in the amount of this particular fMR protein that is produced. And so they can have some symptoms Um, So typically they might have a little bit of intellectual disability or some subtle behavioural or neuropsychiatric symptoms Um, and that can be in up to about 50% of women who carry the full mutation, so more than 200 of these repeats. The complicating factor is as well that you can have different numbers of repeats, so you can have a shorter region of repeat giving um, and it's sort of an intermediate carrier of the condition who usually does not have any symptoms or someone who is what we call a pre-mutation carrier who has between 60 and 200 repeats of this CGG basis. Um, and for women, that can cause um, some ovarian insufficiency in about 20% of women. Uh, and that can result obviously in fertility difficulties and um, hormonal difficulties under 40 years of age and it can also cause for boys and girls later in life um, a condition called FXTAS which is related to essentially having a tremor and a progressive ataxia in later adult life so it can cause a variety of different types of symptoms that we should be aware of. Oh, thank you. That's really interesting. Thank you for talking through the genetics. I understand it so much better now. So does that mean from what you're saying about the pre-mutation that there can be some males with a condition who don't display it or don't display very many symptoms, but then can still pass it on? Yeah, so it's almost, I mean, we've categorised it in a stepwise fashion to make it easier for ourselves clinically. 
so that we can categorize risk. But I suppose it's really a continuation of a spectrum um, of how many of these repeats that you have. Um, but certainly, yeah, there will be some or mostly um, healthy males who have the pre-mutation um, who may not have any symptoms at all, or they may indeed have some very subtle symptoms um, that we're not quite sure whether they're fully explained by that pre-mutation or not. I understand. Thank you. And I didn't realise that it, it could affect females in that way either. So thank you for explaining that. Are there any other kind of associated conditions or anything um, that we should be aware of um, in this cohort of people that we need to monitor or needs um, kind of frequent surveillance with healthcare professionals? Yeah, so typically for a child or a man who has fragile X syndrome, um, the main things that we think about are associated features. Unfortunately, as with all genetic, or most, I should say now, genetic conditions, there isn't a cure at the moment for them. So our treatment, per se, sort of centres on monitoring and surveillance. Um, so for the average boy who has fragile X syndrome, that will require intensive paediatric follow-up for developmental assessments and support. They may need physiotherapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, um, and hypermobility obviously can cause them difficulties. And so the physios and OTs can also help them from that perspective. If they have a squint, they may need an ophthalmology assessment. We often would refer for an audiology assessment as well because there's a risk of recurrent otitis media and hearing loss. And there is also a small chance of having cardiac abnormalities, particularly mitral valve prolapse and aortic root dilatation. So we'll often refer them for an echo as well. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. I think that's one of the questions that often comes up in our exams is uh, the association between this and mitral valve prolapse. Is that quite common? It's not particularly common, um, but I suppose it's something that just needs to be ruled out or excluded um, and something that people should be mindful of. Um, I can find out the exact frequency, but I don't know it off the top of my head. <laughs> That's okay, don't worry. If you don't know it, you definitely don't need to know it. <laughs> um, but it's certainly not something that's commonly seen in all, all children by any stretch. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so, from our perspective, then, uh, as, as medical students and you know, hopefully future healthcare professionals, how can we best? care for and support a, a child or young person with this um, condition do you have any advice I think it's a lot of it's down to patient education um, and holistic health care um, as well as probably education of the family and trying to give them um, or empower them really um, to find the support that they need a lot of families and children who have any genetic condition um, but particularly one where they've maybe waited for a while for a diagnosis are often possibly struggling to get support that they require that might be in school, in the community, through the paediatric services or through the general practice services, just because until that point they've not had a, a diagnosis. Um, and so actually empowering them with that information um, making sure that they're kept safe by monitoring them for the possible complications of the condition and trying to educate them as much as they can about as much as you can about the condition um, is our sort of mainstay of care 
um, but also thinking about things like family planning as they get older and making sure they've got access to the right support when they're thinking about having children themselves um, as appropriate for them. Oh, thank you. Uh, That's really helpful. So I know this is probably quite a difficult question. If you could perhaps summarise uh, what we've talked about in the last 10 minutes uh, or if there are any key points that you think we should take home um, do you have anything that you could say about Fragile X syndrome? So what I'd, I guess what I'd say is that it's the most common inherited cause of intellectual disability um, and it causes a cluster of sort of typical features including developmental and learning difficulties behavioral difficulties and some characteristic facial features but it also can cause some other medical difficulties for those children as well that require longer-term follow-up too. Um, And it's caused by a triplet repeat um, expansion in the FMR1 gene, um, which does require some detailed explanation to the family. Um, So if you have a child who's diagnosed with this condition, always feel free to refer them to genetics so that they can be supported and so that we can think about the wider family and the possible impact on them too. Fab. And do you have any resources that you could recommend to us if we want to read any further? Um, the yeah, so to, the best resource that we could probably recommend that's most up to date in a way is the Gene Reviews website. Um, if you Google FMR1 disorders or Fragile X and Gene Reviews, it will come up with the Gene Reviews website, um, which provides regularly updated specialist information about lots of genetic conditions, but it gives a good overview of uh, Fragile X syndrome. So for healthcare professionals, that's probably the most uh, helpful page. But otherwise, um, up-to-date is usually quite helpful as well. Ah, thank you so much. That was super helpful. And thank you for sharing your, your knowledge and experience on Fragile X. I've definitely learned a lot about genetics today. Um, and I'm sure everyone else has as well. So, right, that's it. Thank you for listening and tune in for more Dragon Bites soon. Thanks very much. Bye. And I just wanted to say thank you to both Emily and to Georgia for recording that episode for us. Join us again next week when we'll be heading back to one of our main Dragon Bites episodes. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.